Welcome to the Shift Happens podcast, where we explore the latest trends and insights in the digital workplace. From the role of AI in the workplace to the future of remote work, we cover it all. Tune in as we chat with industry leaders and experts. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started in the digital landscape, we've got you covered. Subscribe to Shift Happens wherever you listen to podcasts and stay ahead of the curve. Looking at increased uh, values of uh, Teams uh, group messages or individual chats, that, that's great because if we see an increase there, I can count on that. That is probably being reduced in the emails. That's good. Welcome to another episode of the Shift Happens Podcast. I'm your host, Ducks Raymond Sai, Modern Workplace Professional, Microsoft MVP, and Regional Director. And I'm so thrilled today to welcome a good friend of mine, Christine Paulson, Business Solution, Project Manager for the IT Department, ISS Facility Services out in Sweden. Hey, Christine, welcome. Hi, Ducks. Many thanks for inviting me. It's an honor to meet you again. Really, really excited about this. Same here. I feel like we were just in Stockholm yesterday. Yeah, I agree. And I thought I said to myself yesterday, why do I keep doing this to myself? Still, I'm nervous again, even though that we don't have that same type of audience. So it's, oh, geez, never ends. <laughs> nothing, nothing to be nervous about. I thought of having you on the show because, boy, your story is just amazing. And I'm pretty sure a lot of our audience here would get a lot of great benefit and learnings from your journey. So, so let's start with... Um, the fact that ISS is a global multi-billion dollar organization with nearly half a million employees around the world. So, so how did your career evolve to the point where you're overseeing modern workplace uh, for the organization, at least in Sweden? And what were your first thoughts? Yeah, well, I started off working within ISS in 94. I've had different roles during that period of time up until now, 10 years within operations, different roles like first line manager, uh, district manager, switched over to commercial uh, and worked with sales and uh, uh, business development as well. I got a glance of projects when I was involved with uh, developing a Nordic CRM together with my Nordic uh, colleagues around the Nordics uh, uh, in, back in 2010. So I got quite keen on projects and ended up in IT in uh, 1917 in the end of that year. Working with projects within IT, and, and, and uh, it was smaller projects to begin with, and um, my boss, uh, when we were looking into uh, to the next uh, project for me to work with, he said that, yeah, well, the Office 365 project will be a great thing for you to uh, work with. And I, I took a first glance off it, and I, I thought that, yeah, well, this will be like a walk in the park. It's an easy thing, uh, e easygoing applications within in Office 365, and I think that I will be more than ready by Christmas, more or less. And uh, looking deeper into what it and, actually... And when was this? When was the, when this was was the in, time? This was in spring to the, uh, last year uh, when we talked about the Office 365 project. And uh, when looking deeper into what it actually means to work with uh, all the different applications and actually go in cloud... It felt like I was hit by a train or something because realizing that this is a complete shift for us, leaving the old world, leaving old world, uh, ways of working and actually 
doing a complete transformation over how do we how do we communicate, how do we store information, and um, it was definitely not a uh, an easygoing project anymore. I saw ahead of me uh, a lot of work, and it's actually by the spring this uh, next year, it's two years that we were working with it. Let's kind of take a few steps back, right? So you talk about this idea or this initiative started around spring, um, I assume 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's think about what happened around February or March. So what was the driver or what was the thinking of going to Office 365? Yeah, well, we we were in a place, and we still are, uh, parts partially, uh, with old, outdated IT different solutions going end of support or going end of life. And we had an unhappy uh, uh, business w- uh, with all my, our end users that it wasn't working the way that it was intended to, and they didn't get the values out of the current solutions that we actually had. So we knew that we need to do a change. So navigating and investigating what change uh, would we go ahead for. And choosing Office 365, that wasn't that hard to make as a decision because we were already paying for uh, the storage within Office 365 and all the features that's in there with just one small uh, um, parentheses that we didn't use it. We were instead using all the old outdated systems instead of actually using Office 365. So that direction, that was an easy decision. And it's from a business case, uh, business case point of view, it was actually a quite easy sell as well because reducing cost and using using a platform that we already was paying for, that was uh, a quite easy sell from a business case point of view. So that was, uh, that was the reason why it was Office 365. So Christine, sounds like that you've gotten a lot of support uh, moving forward with this platform. So you didn't get too much pushback or rejections uh, from the business or broader organization, right? Yeah, well, the objections were related to that this is a change, and change is scary for many. Uh, and it's not that hard to understand because you're, you're used to doing what you have always done in the ways that you've always been working. So there were fears that, is it safe to store things in the cloud? How do I find things in the cloud? And so that was uh, concerns from the end user point of view. But from a top management point of view, no obstacles whatsoever, because from a business case point of view, we were saving a lot of money doing this change. Got it. All right. So so now let's talk about the beginning of the journey, right? So you got started, the project kicked off. I would imagine coming from a legacy environment, you had a lot of investments in different platforms. One of the major obstacles would be migration, because I'm sure you had a lot of data. You had a lot of information silos uh, and data repositories across various systems. What was your strategy for managing a large-scale complex migration to move to Office 365? Yeah, well, that that was actually also uh, one part of the the obstacles that we didn't know uh, the amount of information that we had in, in, in the different storage areas that we used. So the strategy would be to, okay, we need to investigate. We need to find out facts on, on what's it like, how much is it, where is it, and, and what is relevant to actually move. We knew that we wouldn't be migrating everything mm. uh, because uh, historical data has a value to a certain point when, you, when it, it's actually not needed anymore. And that is also an old, a behavior that it's, I think that's for more or less everyone, that you, 
you tend to store things. It could be nice. It could be nice to have. You never know. And within 10 years or so, you're still saving things that you were working on for 10 years ago, but it's not relevant for you to store anymore. So we needed to make sure that we could identify what is relevant for the end users for, for us to migrate to Office 365 so that we could create the value for them that they have the relevant data in place in the new world. So that, that was the strategy. So, so what was the process of doing this? So how did you drill down in figuring out the relevant data? Because I would imagine, right, there's so many uh, business users out there. Uh, it may not be relevant to you, but it's still relevant to them. So what are the steps that you, you took to work with the business? Yeah, we, we needed to uh, get a deep dive in, in, in the different um, storage this, uh, areas that we had. And if you ask a biz, an end user, is this data relevant for you? They say yes. Of course. But I know that it isn't. Uh, and we know definitely now that it wasn't uh, actually because we, we looked into which partners to team up with that could help us with the process of leaving the old world. So we found you at Tech Days uh, in 2018, I think. And uh, we started off talking to you guys on, on how, how can we explore, how can we get off the old platforms. And you presented to us absolutely wonderful tools and ways forward to would help us to get uh, into the new world in, in the right way. And using the Compliance Guardian, for an example, the deep, deep scan, uh, investigating, searching for sensitive data that we knew that that was uh, not, uh, that should be managed in a specific way. And also the scanning tools that actually reads uh, timestamps. When, uh, when was the document created? Who modified it? Has anyone read it? And that actually gave us a definite uh, answer on what is relevant data to move and not. And we could easily see in the Power BI reports that we have critical mass from 1st of January 2015 and onwards. And, and FileShare has a legacy from the 1990s. And we have a lot of data lying there, just lying and, and uh, costing us uh, server costs and, and backup costs every month. So, so first of all, we definitely appreciate the partnership and I'm glad that you found our solutions beneficial. So it sounds like you put a little threshold, right? So you mentioned January 1, 2015. So it sounds like that was the threshold and say, okay, anything beyond or after January 1st, 2015, we'll move it. Anything before that seems like nobody's using it. So we're not going to move that. Exactly. That was the exact decision that we made. Got it. So, so after... Going through a lot of this data, analyzing what you're going to move, not moving, what processes did you put in place now that you're in Office 365 to better manage data and uh, ensure that they're consistently relevant? Yeah, well, that was, uh, I think that that is the one area that actually has a weakness within Office 365. It's extremely easy to create new, new teams or sites to, to store information that we don't have any control of it. And we definitely have a lessons learned on what kind of scenario that we don't want in the new world. So how to manage that? How can we control that? How can we make uh, some kind of solution that would enable us to automize that we don't get uh, too much data just lying around so that we have a new dump site of all data just costing us money in the Office 365? And you provided a solution for that as well. With uh, governance automation online, it's an extremely powerful tool. We get control of naming conventions because my target group within ISS Sweden are 1,600 white collars. 
And all of those, I think, probably has their own ideas on what is the right naming convention, what is the right security settings, policy settings, and what is a, when is data old or not. So being able to have a, a system that actually checks if something goes inactive, so we have in, inactivity uh, thresholds, we have um, lifecycle management so that, and we also recertify teams that is it actually relevant for this team site to actually remain. So that gives us the possibility to have more structure and uh, yeah, a neat new world. And, and at the end of the day, right, what you're describing here is how do you make it easy for people to do the right thing? Because to what you described earlier, you want a new way for people to work, a, new, a better way for them to get their job done. And by providing this automation, so folks won't have to worry about, okay, what should I call this? What setting should I do? What can I do and not do? I mean, we can teach them that, but I don't expect people to remember every single thing. No, exactly. I agree. Totally agree. So I think that an easy way forward on, on what kind of teams to create and just adding members and working with content instead of wor- worrying about, do I need to um, think of this and that, that you might not even know the answer to. I, I remember the first time I created teams and I, I got one question, should it be public or private? Okay, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> what difference does it make? I didn't know. But we are working within a global tenant. So, of course, it, it makes a difference if it's a public or a private sure. group or teams. So, sounds like you're, you're using a lot of the great technologies beyond just email, using Teams, SharePoint Online, um, obviously OneDrive. What did the adoption training process look like to get at least this 1,600 people onboarded? And, and what was your goal for adoption? Did you have a timeline or, or a specific metric that you try to hit? Yeah, well, we used almost the entire 2018 for pilot phases. We had three pilots. IT went first, then commercial was added in the middle of the year. And by fall uh, last year, we also uh, added um, uh, people from uh, one corporate function with, within service excellence and also from a customer point of view. So that would give us uh, how do we use the new platform in, in the best way. And also getting um, front runners, promoters from these pilot uh, team phases to to enable to talk well about Office 365 within the business and actually help us um, in the project on how do we use Teams in the best, best way? How do we launch Office 365 in the best way? So we, we, uh, we conducted that for the entire 2018. And that also gave the answers on which partners do we need to, to, to tie to us to help us uh, succeed in this uh, implementation. So we had... How do we um, give training uh, to the end users? Because it's new ways of working. It doesn't look like it does in the old client world. So from AdSkills Cornerstone, we have an e-learning partnership with them. So we have online training for all the different applications. It's almost evergreen. They re-record their e-learning movies every second week to keep track with uh, Microsoft updating things within Office 365. And that is enabled for all uh, the 1,600 end users. We also decided that we should only push basics first, and that would be OneDrive, Teams, new ways of working, and introduction to Office 365. All the rest of the applications, like Planner, To Do, and so on, that is something that we can uh, uh, tip them off uh, 
uh, and that we are doing, but we didn't do it uh, to begin with. We have to start on, on a lower scale. And, and I think that's a very important point for, especially for folks listening, right? Oftentimes we want everybody to use everything. However, people get confused. They get, you know, daunted by, oh, it's just so much. But just starting with the basics, right? Teams, OneDrive, and then and then they'll start seeing other things like even Planner and Todo. Absolutely, that's phenomenal. And then you can take it to the next level with things like Power Apps or uh, you know Power Automate and all these uh, more advanced capabilities. And also part of the training process and adoption process is that we actually the project uh, we we have created new areas for communication. We have a communication site where, uh, what, that we call Know How Place for Office 365. That's the go-to place for all the, for my target group that why Office 365? Why, why should we be in this platform? And how to think from an individual point of view, which applications do I use if I'm working individually? Which applications do I use if I work in a team or group? So that is a platform that we use like an intranet for, for Office 365. So that is also using the platform within the project. And, and I assume the way you explain and describe that is through practical use cases, right? If you're doing this, then this would be a great solution for you. And if you're doing that, make sure you use Teams. Yeah, exactly. So it's very do's and don't. Think of this. This is no-nos. And just pointing out... Uh, things that we that the the end users need to know to be able to um, get full value of Office 365 environment. Hello, Shift Happens podcast listeners! I have an exciting offer for you. Join us for our in-person Shift Happens conference, October 10 to 11, in Washington D.C. Registration is free. That's right, it's free. And you walk away with actionable strategies from industry leaders and peers to make Shift happen in your digital workplace. Visit shifthappens.to to register today. We'll see you there. You know, one of the things that I love when we were in Stockholm when we were presenting is uh, the strategy you used to provide support. Uh, yeah. If you don't mind sharing that story, I think that's a great <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. We created a support teams for Office 365. We have added all 1,600 users in Sweden. They, it, it's, uh, they have to be a part of it because if they leave, we just add the AD group again and they just get back in, into teams. And we communicate everything uh, when it comes to uh, highlights, tip of the week. Hey guys, have you seen the new feature that Microsoft uh, recently launched uh, uh, with uh, private channels? That was the tip of the week that went out uh, earlier today. And we also ask the business that if you have a question about anything related to new ways of working or Office 365, you address the question in support teams. And that is also a shift when you look at old ways of how do we get support? In the old way, you, you call the service desk. I need help. I don't understand this or this is not working. So it's a one-to-one communication. And I want to I implement sharing is caring, that you ask the question in support teams. But I, I'm definitely 100% sure that if one person has one question, he probably has a couple of hundreds of colleagues that have exactly the same question. So everyone can take part of the response that I give at one time. 
And how do we get people to be in that platform? Yeah, well, in the beginning of the project, I allowed the service desk to actually take in questions from end users because I want to reduce the amount of work uh, when we were launching this by starting this year. But that is closed now. They are not allowed to take in any questions of Office 365 anymore. It has to be, uh, the end user gets, uh, gets information that you should ask your question in support teams, and that's the only place to be. People tend to email me directly or people within my team as well. And uh, I've decided that we don't respond in emails. We don't communicate in emails because that is an old way of working. So I have an auto reply by uh, today that's always on internally only, of course. I can't say that when I get external emails. But uh, thank you for email. Uh, I have moved more or less in my all communication to teams. So please address your question to me in the chat or in support teams. And I don't respond in the email. That's, that's awesome. And this is a very critical point, right? Because so, oftentimes I get asked by customers or, or friends in the industry, it's like, how do you make people adopt? Because the feedback is always, we're so busy, you know, we have all these tools and then you introduce teams and it's one more thing. The point you just made is if you introduce something, you got to take something away and enforce it. So like you said, right, we want to remove the old way of doing, which is emailing you. Yeah. And yeah. the new way is to ask your question in the support team, because not only will it be answered for you, guess what? Your other colleagues would benefit from it. Sharing is caring. Exactly. Exactly. And that is also getting used to working in teams. Like, Typing in conversations, uh, seeing that you can have more channels and just getting familiarized with the new new environment. And that is, a, and I have something that they want. The, the project team has something that the end user wants. They want a response to their question. And I'm happy to help them. Every time everyone, anyone has a question, we, ad we address it, but we do it in the right place. Not, not in Outlook. You know, Christine, you said something when we were in Stockholm that to this day, I think about it almost every day. <laughs> you said um, to lead the change, you have to live the change, right? Exactly. And this is a perfect example of you're leading the deployment of modern of Office 365 of Teams, but then you're living it with this one example around providing support. Yeah, that's right. And, and that was an active choice. I was struggling uh, in the beginning of last year, trying to get rid of old ways of thinking, old ways of working, and uh, it was information overload because the user adoption phase that we had uh, in the beginning of last year, it was all applications. It was not, ju not just OneDrive and Teams. So I, I was struggling with um, getting, getting rid of my old way of thinking. But it takes work to change. And, you and I made an active choice that I'm gonna be the project leader for this within ISS. And I have to live it. Otherwise, I can ask anyone else to do it if I don't. So 100% cloud, no client whatsoever, not any uh, office uh, client, no Outlook. I don't even use the Teams client because I think it's messy to have the Teams client located in the below bar when I have everything else in my browser. So I don't use it. I'm in the browser. I have my shortcuts and different windows open when working with uh, whatever I'm doing in, in OneNote or Teams or OneDrive or To-Do or Planner. Or So you're saying you go to work, you turn on your computer, nothing's installed. You just live on the browser all day long? Yeah. 
that's where I am. Wow. And the first slide I open is Teams because that is one that is my top priority activity every day in my day in to do and that is to check in on teams does anyone need my help is there a question from anyone that's the first thing i do and then in a, and yeah sometime um i think that prior to this i always open my outlook looking into who's who has emailed me that is more or less like the third or fourth thing i do uh, starting off, starting up my computer, everything. That's amazing. I, I assume you've influenced other people as well, right? So how, how are you monitoring uh, the, the adoption in Office 365? I'm sure you go and look at, you know, the, the reports in Office 365 admin. No, I don't have access. I don't have any admin rights within the tenant because we have a global environment and <clears throat> I'm not admin within uh, the tenant. And I think that since I'm not... I'm not fully trained in everything that has with Office 365 to, to do. So if I should have admin access and someone would give me a PowerShell script, I think that I would probably mess things up and I have to get someone to fix it for me. So it's a good thing that I don't. Uh, but we built, um, with help from Proactive, one of the um, uh, partners uh, that's uh, tied to uh, the global, uh, global IT, uh, that... Uh, I need to monitor user adoption for Office 365. How, how can I see that it changes actually happening? So we have different KPIs in there that, we, that I can look at. It's real-time data. So I can see uh, increased, uh, the trend is up going. It's really, really nice. I had a look at it the other day when I had my CEO meeting together with, um, with uh, my boss, the CIO. And uh, looking at, increased uh, values of uh, teams uh, group messages or individual chats that that's great because if we see an increase there i can count on that that is probably being reduced in the emails that's good i can also monitor if they are sharing links that is also telling a bit that okay they don't email a file attachments anymore they are sharing sharing security instead that's also great i could monitor that in the process of the exit activities that we actually is um, in in the middle of right now that when is when is uh, the right day to actually close the old home catalogs on the servers i could monitor what the end users were doing because i could see uploading uploading to onedrive so i knew that looking at that key value over time that, okay, 1st of October, that is a date that actually will work because enough people have uploaded everything to their OneDrives. And only, I think it's uh, 17 or 20 people who have uh, had asked to uh, reopen the archives to the old age uh, catalog on the server because people have been on maternity leave or on sick leave and coming back too late. So, okay, you have one week to move out. So then we can open the archive and they can move into OneDrive. So, so that is a really, really nice thing to, uh, to track. And also calls or meetings within Teams. That's really great. Sounds like um, you know, this is, this is a, a great adoption story. Do you think it has to do with your company culture as well, the way people are adopting, the way people are embracing uh, the change? I, I don't think that we are any different from uh, other companies, but I think that the fact that we were located in, in such a poor place from an IT system point of view that people were experiencing that this is really hard to, to use. It doesn't give us the value that we need. So 
providing them that we have a change here that actually will help you to create more value for you in your day-to-day -day work. That is something that they, they have been longing for, but at the same time are scared about because it's, it's new. So we have to help them to address the fears and, and showing on, on um, easy ways of working that uh, the new platform is uh, actually a wonderful place to be. It's absolutely great. So, I mean, it sounds really exciting. So, so let's, let's uh, fast forward to the future, right? So let's say hopefully uh, organization-wide globally, this gets adopted. And I think one of your core groups in the organization are your first-line uh, colleagues that's out and about, out in the field that maybe all access they have is through their mobile device. Any type of use case you can see where Office 365 or Teams would be beneficial for your first-line worker colleagues? Yeah, definitely. And we are actually right now starting up to uh, build a business case on uh, what gains and wins we could actually see by providing them with uh, licenses so that would, they would have access to the new intranet that we build in out-of-the-box SharePoint, uh, teams created to be able to communicate and store information in between uh, managers and their first-line uh, workers. So it's... it's um, it's on discussion level, building a business case so that we can actually show value by, by doing that. Dax, I actually remember one thing. You asked me if I had any obstacles in the beginning. Yes. I actually forgot to mention one. Uh -huh. it, was quite, it was quite huge. Sure, go, go for it. We have a global tenant. And governance automation online needs to be connected to the Azure AD to be able to work. And global IT actually turned down my request on us having a governance automation online. And that was a huge set, setback, actually. And it was uh, in, the Dece in December last year. I almost forgot. That was uh, quite fun. So how did you convince him? Yeah, well, at first I didn't understand that. What, how, can they, how can they turn us down? We can't launch this without governance automation online because I knew that the business will be in need of something to hold on to in the new world, that, creating things in the right way. So it took, uh, I got a no on a Monday and I used uh, the days in between quite wisely and, and uh, addressing uh, our need from our point of view, why do we need it to sell in the value and also listening in on why is he turning it down? What are, what are the concerns behind, behind it? And getting those answers and uh, talking to uh, the representatives that we, we had in the commercial process was Kyle Rooney and Oscar Lundqvist that these are the concerns. We are facing a possible no. So we have, you have one hour meeting, do your thing. These are the areas you need to address to make sure that we actually can actually get this. And uh, I think it was a team effort between the project and, and you guys at A-Point and uh, they were, um, they switched, they switched the no to a yes. <laughs> so that was good. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and hopefully we can have the same impact down the road uh, globally. So yeah, please, yeah, let's see what happens on that. <laughs> so, so before I let you go, Christine, looking back at your transformation in the past year, moving into Office 365, this modern way of working, uh, for folks that are listening, what tip or advice you can share to make shift happen, especially in a situation like this where you're drastically changing how people work, how you operate, uh, you know, what, what wisdom can you provide so that folks can follow the same path? I think that you need to do your, your homework 
prior to presenting something to a top top management that build a strong business case so that you can actually show facts that you will have benefits from from changing from old ways to new ways of working um and I, I know in my business case, we only have hard facts like server costs, license, support agreements and stuff. We don't have the soft values part of the business case. But I think that there you have a huge win to actually gain from changing to a new way of working. And I have examples from participating in, in uh, with one of my front runners, a first line manager. He created he, he asked two of his customers if they would be part of creating teams and working in teams instead of the old ways of working. And I got the opportunity to take part of one day uh, meeting these customers and listening in on, on how they saw on things in the new way of working. And it was absolutely wonderful. It gave me so much energy to, to listen in on, on how his day-to-day -day work actually improved. He has increased time to create value for customers and employees. And the, on the customer point of view, they think that they are more up to date. They have access to relevant information. They can communicate in teams. They feel closer to us as a partner than they did before. And that is truly a win story. And that is value as well. Uh, but building up a strong business case, thinking of the soft values that, can, that you can actually get from changing ways of working, rush slowly. And by that, I mean uh, investigate how do we use the platform in the best way for us? Because... The best way for us is using teams for key accounts, accounts, or projects, uh, or departments. That was the way to go uh, for us with the services we created in Governance Automation Online. It will probably be something else for, for another company. So investigate what do you need from the platform and, and, and enable that. And then you have to have courage. You have to have courage to actually uh, be strong when people come and say, I don't want to change. I want, I want to work the old way. You have to say no. You don't get to stay in the old way just because you don't want to change. So challenge the old ways of working and use the word no. <laughs> I, right. I, I do that all, all the time. No, don't keep saying yes, right? No, I don't. Because I, if I did, we wouldn't have any change at all, at all because we would be keeping the old platforms. We would allow people to, to, to store information in shadow IT places and stuff. You have to close the gates. Definitely. That is part of, I think, that it's a win when it comes to user activity and seeing that people are um, using the platform. Because if we close the gates to, to the past, you only provide the future. Okay, you're afraid of the future, you're afraid of the new world because you don't know it. It's unfamiliar, so it, it's, uh, they are being scared of change. So establish structure, how do you help them in there? So communicating, of course. Uh, support teams is a great, great way forward to actually lure them in. And um, I've also used uh, my promoters from uh, the pilot phases last year. I front them in, uh, in articles. I'm not telling that this is a great place to be. They are. Because everybody expects me to say it because I'm the project leader. But if I have colleagues in the business who are first-line managers or working in communications or working as strict district managers or key account managers promoting the new way of working, then it's, that, that's very effective. As I always tell people, our job is to make other people look good. <laughs> exactly. <Right? laughs> I do my best. <laughs> Paul, Christine, talk to me again. Thank you so yeah, much. Thank for you so time. much, Doug. It was really, really nice seeing you again.
Same here. And again, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. If you've enjoyed this conversation, we would appreciate if you subscribe. Until the next time, bye. Shift Happens Podcast is a production of AbPoint, Inc. Produced and edited by the AbPoint brand team. Stay up to date on the latest trends in digital workplace transformation by visiting AppPoint.com.